Hello and welcome to the student ministry podcast of Cedar Crest Bible Fellowship Church. I am Pastor Jules, and I'm excited that you have decided to join us here. The teaching or conversation you are about to hear is from our youth group ministry. I hope that you will find it encouraging. If you have any questions or would like to contact us, please visit our website at cedarcrest.church students. Sunday, uh, which means football is on, right? Uh, do I have any football fans here? Okay, a bunch of people in the back. No one in the front apparently is a football fan. Who are some of my uh, who are who are some of our teams that we support here? Eagles. 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 So I got the Eagles. I got the Browns. So my wife and I have a divided home where I. I am an Eagles fan. Thank you, thank you, thank you. My wife, unfortunately, is a Patriots fan. I know, I know, but we don't hold that against her. So football is pretty great to watch, right? We enjoy rooting for our team. We love to talk about the game with our friends or our coworkers the next day. Um, we, uh, we like to talk about how great a play was or how bad someone played. Um, some people even keep track of different stats to, uh, to certain players. Uh, but let me ask you guys a question. What is the difference between a fan and someone who is part of the team? One likes it and one does it. So if you're a fan, you like it. If you're a part of the team, you don't like it, you just do it. Well, you are like it as well because you're there. Oh, okay. All right. So both fan and team likes it. Yes, because that's all. Okay. What is pain? What is pain? What is pain? Oh, one gets paid. <laughs> okay. All right. Someone gets paid. Any other thoughts? Yes. Contribution. Contribution. Okay. All right. Any other thoughts? All right. Well, um, being a fan, you're nothing more than a spectator, right? Uh, you have no actual say about what goes on in the team that you support. You can't call the coaches and say, hey, put so-and-so in or, hey, get him out of there. You know, or how in the world can you do that? Come on, get with it. And if you try to run out onto the field, what's going to happen? You're going to get tased, right? Security is going to chase after you and shoot you with a taser. That's not going to be a lot of fun. Being a fan, you don't have to put into the hard work. You don't have to go to the practices. You don't have to show up to the team meetings. You don't have to watch the film. You, and you have the ability to simply just miss the game, and you have no repercussions whatsoever. As Christians, Jesus doesn't call us to simply be fans. In fact, Jesus isn't interested in having fans. He is interested in having followers, true disciplers. We are not called to be fans of Jesus. We are called to be followers of Jesus. Jesus is interested in having true disciples, and that's what we're going to see in our passage 
tonight from John 8, verses 31 to 38. So I invite you to turn there, John 8, 31 to 38, and I invite you to stand for the reading of the word. If you do need a Bible, they're up front there. John chapter 8, verses 31 to 38. Go ahead and stand for the reading of the word. All right, John 8, verses 31 to 38. So Jesus said to the Jews who had believed him, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. They answered him, We are the offspring of Abraham, and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, Everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. I know that you are the offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. I speak of what I have seen with my father, and you do not know, and you, and you do what you have heard from your father. The word of the Lord. You guys may be seated. So this passage begins with Jesus said to those who believed him. All right. And if you remember last week, we continued on in chapter eight, talking about Jesus, uh, Jesus statement. I am the light of the world. Um, Jesus is teaching here in the temples uh, in the temple. He tells the Jews that he is the Messiah, the son of man. And that they just missed it. You guys remember that from last week? Yes. Yes? Okay. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Um, But the passage last week kind of seemed to end on a high note, right? It says that um, as he was saying these things, many believed in him. So Jesus had declared himself to be the light of the world. And he uh, disputed with the Pharisees and had declared his deity And this seemed to produce a positive response to at least some of those who were listening to this uh, lesson. Unfortunately, we know from Scripture that their belief was not saving faith. It was superficial faith. They either believed that Jesus was uh, just calling out the, uh, the Pharisees. And they maybe didn't like the Pharisees, and so they liked what Jesus had to say, and so they simply agreed with it. Or maybe they thought that he was a a prophet, but not the Messiah. All right? So they did not truly believe that Jesus was the Messiah. They were not true believers. And this was not the first time we see this in the book of John either. If we turn back to John 2, 23 to 25, we read... Now, when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, many believed in his name when they saw the signs that he was doing. But Jesus, on his part, did not entrust himself to them because he knew all people and needed no one to bear witness about man. For he himself knew what was in man. And then later on in chapter 6, we again see something similar. In John 6, we see Jesus feeding the 5,000. Do you guys remember that story? 
5,000 people show up. Jesus uh, takes a, a boy's lunch that has uh, five loaves and two fish, and he miraculously feeds the, the multitude of people that are there. And there's so much food that the disciples go out to collect the leftovers. We then read in John 6, 14 to 15, when the people saw the sign that he had done, they said, this, indeed, this is indeed the prophet who is to come into the world. Perceiving then that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself. Jesus knew their hearts. He knew that these men were not interested in truly following him as the Messiah, but simply interested in what they could get out of him. Jesus is not interested in fans. He is interested in a relationship. And being a Christian is not just a decision we make one day and then go on in our lives like nothing's changed or nothing's different. But it is a lifetime pursuit of Christ. The only thing that proves discipleship, the only thing that proves that you are a true disciple is that your faith endures. Martin Luther said, my doctrine demands more than just an initial acceptance and much praise. I know that it is easy to believe in the beginning, but where are those who remain steadfast, who persevere, endure, and say, let come whatever God send me, whether I live or die, I shall remain with Christ. And that is the Christian life. That is what we are called and as Christians or as people, we need to count the cost of following Jesus. And Jesus lays out for us what the cost is of true discipleship. Look with me at verses 31 and 32. Jesus says, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. And you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So according to Jesus... A single condition demonstrates the truth of discipleship. And what is it? Abiding. Abiding in my word. It is not enough to have warm, fuzzy feelings about Jesus. It's not enough to simply agree with Jesus as a good moral teacher. Jesus is not interested in that. He's not interested in a large gathering of numbers who are loosely uh, committed admirers. Instead, he seeks and calls for true disciples. That is, those who abide in his word. Now, I want to be clear. I want to be clear that faith in Jesus receives salvation immediately. Anyone who truly believes in Jesus is forgiven for their sins and is justified before God on the spot. But the truth of our faith, the validity of it, the proof of our faith is that we continue to abide in the life and word of Jesus. In this sense, the abiding is the condition of our true discipleship. In other words, if we don't abide in God's word to be a disciple, but we abide in 
excuse me. In other words, we don't abide in God's word to be a disciple, but we abide in God's word because we we are disciples. To abide means to remain, to continue, to stay, to dwell. And as followers of the Lord, we should be people of this book. That means that we need to be in the Bible. We need to be reading our Bibles. We need to be studying them. We need to be memorizing them and hiding the truth of the word in our hearts. We just started a new month, October. October has 31 days in it. And if you don't have a current reading plan for your devotions, then I encourage you to read one proverb a day for the month of October. And by the end of this month, you will have read the entire book of Proverbs. But abiding in God's word doesn't just mean that we're reading our Bibles, but it also means that we are allowing the truth of the word to influence our entire being. That means everything that we do and everything that we avoid should be based off of God's word. And that should come more and more naturally as we continue to grow in the word, as we continue to hide God's word in our hearts. Jesus says that abiding in his word, we will know the truth. So first of all, that means that we will know Christ because Christ is the truth. But it also means that we won't get caught up and lost with all the lies that this world tells us. And guys, there are so many lies that this world is preaching to you. Whether it be about gender or about success or about happiness. And without God's word to guide us, we are lost. We won't know which way is up. But there is absolute truth. And the absolute truth is found in God's word alone. And so whether you want to believe that or not, there will be a day where every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Christ is Lord. And everyone in that moment will recognize absolute truth. The truth, Christ himself, will set us free from the bondage of sin, which is what we see as we continue to look at John 8. Look with me at verses 33 to 36. They answered him, We are offspring of Abraham and have never been enslaved to anyone. How is it that you say you will become free? Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. So the Jews are continuing to live in darkness and they answer him. We are the offspring of Abraham. We have never been enslaved to anyone. They did not understand what Jesus was talking about was the bondage of sin in their lives. Sin enslaves us. It becomes our master that we obey. We sin because we think it will bring us satisfaction and joy. We sin because we think it promises us life. It promises us fulfillment. We think that sin will bring us freedom, but it actually enslaves us and controls us and lies to us. It corrupts our thinking. 
It controls our actions. It destroys our peace. And our sin will never only affect us, but it will also affect those around us. And worst of all, sin separates us from God and condemns us to an eternity of loneliness and shame. Just like the Jews, we can think that we are free when actually we are enslaved to sin. So Jesus explains to these Jews who are lost in darkness, Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The, sin does not remain, the, son, the slave does not remain in the house forever. The son remains forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. What that's saying is that a true disciple is someone who has placed their faith in Christ alone and has been now set free from the bondage of their sin. Now, passages like this when I was a student, when I was George, where I sat where you sat, always freaked me out. It stressed me out because I would read that and wonder and question my own salvation. I would question my own salvation because I would struggle with sin. And in fact, I still struggle with sin today. And I would wonder if I was actually a disciple of Christ or not. And so when Jesus says everyone who practices sin is slave to sin, I would start to doubt my salvation. But there is a difference between a disciple who is struggling with sin and someone who is practicing sin. So first of all, we need to remember that on this side of heaven, we will never be sinless. We will continue to struggle. We will continue to wrestle with our flesh. Even as believers, we will struggle with sin. True disciples will go through stronger and weaker periods of their faith. This, this word, this truth, it does not say that true disciples of Jesus never falters, never stumbles, never makes mistakes. What it says is that true disciples get up. They turn back to the path of Jesus. They trust and follow in his leading. They return to the word for truth and life and comes over and over again to Jesus for cleansing, for renewal, for forgiveness, and for strength. The difference with a true disciple is that a true disciple understands that it is sin. A true disciple will desire righteousness. A true disciple will experience godly conviction over their sin, which will lead them to repent. A true disciple will listen to a loving brother or sister in the Lord. Someone who practices sin will not care if it is sin. They will not care what the Bible has to say or what the church has to say. They might be sorry for their sin, especially when they face the consequences for it, but that is worldly sorrow, and it will never lead to true repentance. Do you guys understand the difference between someone who is practicing sin and a disciple who is struggling with sin? 
Let me read 1 John 1, 5 through 10 to you guys. This is the message that we have heard from him and proclaim to you, that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and the word is not in us. Now, I want to encourage you guys, those of you who are true disciples, but have really been struggling with a sin. Those of you who want to pursue holiness, but this particular sin seems to have a foothold on you. Keep fighting. Keep pressing on towards the goal, which is Christ. Keep going to his word for encouragement, for hope. Find a mature brother or sister in the Lord who can hold you accountable to the sin that you are struggling with. There is hope even for what seems like the strongest of sins. And I can tell you that from my own experience. Because when I was your age, I had a sin that I struggled with. The sin of pornography. And I'm proud to say that today I am no longer caught up in that sin Because I found that abiding in God's word and having brothers who cared and loved loved me, held me accountable, I was now able to come out of that sin. I was able to overcome the foothold that sin had on me. And you can do the same. Abiding in God's word will set you free. The Son, Jesus Christ, sets you free. It is Jesus who sets us free. And so we need to keep our eyes fixed on him. One commentator said, True freedom is not the liberty to do anything we please, but the liberty to do what we ought. It is genuine liberty because doing what we ought now pleases us. A true disciple As true disciples, we are now able to pursue holiness and obedience. And we are now able to flee from our sin. Wrapping up, the last thing I want you guys to see from this passage is that a true disciple is someone who has their own faith in Christ. Verses uh, 37 to 38. Jesus says, I know that you are the offspring of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me because my word finds no place in you. I speak of what I have seen with my father and you do not and you do what you have heard from your father. The Jews were looking to their family line from Abraham to be what saved them. As the sons of Abraham, they thought that they were good enough with God because of their lineage. Back in Genesis, God made a covenant with Abraham that he would be the father of of many, of a great nation, and that all the other nations would be blessed because of it. 
Circumcision was then given to them as a sign of the covenant. And the Jews were putting their hope in the fact that they were a part of Abraham, uh, Abraham's physical family. However, their family lineage is not what saved them, nor the fact that they were circumcised, because works cannot save us. What makes someone a true disciple is when they have placed their faith in Christ alone. And so you must decide if you will follow Jesus or not. You are not a Christian because you grew up in this church. You are not a Christian because your parents are Christians. You have to make your faith your own. You need to decide and count the cost if Jesus is the one that you want to surrender your life to. Because if not, you will surrender your life to something and that other thing will be sin. Just like we see with the Jews, they were ready to kill him because of what he was saying. For many of you, you grew up in the church. You know the Bible. You're familiar with Jesus. You're familiar with maybe doing family devotions. And just like Abraham's faith, or just like Abraham's family, you were looking to your family to be what saves you. But your family's faith will not save you. You need Christ, just like the Jews. So I think the best application for us, for this passage, is to reflect on our own lives. There is a clear difference between a fan of Jesus and a follower of Jesus. Between someone who has superficial faith and someone who is a true disciple of Christ. And so I think the question that you guys need to answer is who are you? Are you a fan or are you a follower? Have you placed your faith in Christ alone? Do you know him as your personal savior? Are you abiding in his word? Are you allowing the truth of his word to saturate your life? Does the truth of his word guide you in the decisions that you make and the things that you avoid? Are you actively killing sin? Are you actively pursuing holiness? These are questions that we all need to answer. Because the truth of the matter is we will all one day stand before the Messiah, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the one who is inviting you right now into a relationship with him. And on that day, if we don't know Christ as our Lord and Savior, he will cast us out and say, depart from me. I, will, I never knew you. It is my desire, it is your youth leader's desire to see you on the other side of heaven as a true disciple. Thank you for joining us today. We hope that you've enjoyed this teaching. Please visit us at cedarcrest.church/students.